Hot Takes or Toast brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment, or visit www.utahairmd.com. Question of the morning, two-parter, both the Jazz and BYU with blowout victories. Are the Jazz on to something, or was it simply destroying the shorthanded 76ers? Jason says they did exactly what they should have against a severely depleted team. They did. Nick says, come on, the Sixers without... Embiid, Simmons, they were way shorthanded. No sense in getting all hyped up over beating Bingham High School. Jeremy says they beat a bad team. Jonathan says it's the Sankin option. It's the shorthanded Sixers. And Han said, yes, he clearly believes both things to be true. I think both things can be true because for me, I'm far more focused on the Jazz than I am the opponent. Not surprised by that. I think you're like a lot of people in that regard. And the Jazz passed the eyeball test. But then in the circular logic that goes on and on, well, did they pass the eyeball test because the Sixers just don't have the talent to put up any resistance? Well... I mean, the, the eyeball test won't be passed for months. So it's about them doing what they need to do. And, you know, you it's going to sound so simple and so obvious, but when they do the things that they need to do, they're most likely going to win. Probably not all, but I don't think they're going to lose a few. More than a few, I should say. And... That's what's important, that the team plays, can't play at your level of capability all the time, and it's still November. We've got to understand that. I think we're, you know, we're really focusing more on the Jazz this November than we have in recent Novembers because the expectations are so high. And uh, you know, they're already, what, three games behind the Warriors, and they're expected to contend for the best record, and they probably still will. So every game, I think, because of expectation level, takes on a little bit more level of importance than normally if they were going back a few years when they were, uh, can they get home court in the first round? You know, if that was a level of expectation this year, well, I don't think we'd be sweating much at 9-5. and They'd be right where they're supposed to be. But because they lost 3 out of 4 relative to the expectation, there's a little more sweating involved. So, you know, we're much given, much expected type thing, and that's where we're at with these guys. So we're going to analyze it a little bit more, and we're going to put more level of importance on games. Like, oh, man, you lost a couple of games at home. And where are you going to make those up? Because you've got to make those up to finish with the best record in the league, right? you got to get them back somehow. Who's it going to be? And so I don't want to say we're stressing out, but I certainly think we're putting a far more important level of importance on early season games than we have in a good while. Yeah, and I think the third option to this, are the Jazz onto something? Uh, or was it simply destroying a, a team that was just really shorthanded? And I think the third thing is, you know, you're onto something, but are you going to sustain it? Even if the answer is you're onto something, 
if you're going to be the best team in the league, you got to do it. You got to do it again. You got to do it a third time. You got to just one after another, just keep grinding them out. And that is a trick all unto itself. And it is hard to sustain that. That's why there's a lot of 50 win teams and very few 60 win teams. I think they're going to. I think their time is going to come where they roll out like a 17 and 3 record over a 20 game stretch. And I haven't doped out the schedule, nor will I. Uh, but I think that. But you that, still think it's coming? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, whether it's coming, you know, it's not coming in November because we don't have enough games. Yeah, but uh, this is how it starts, though. I know they've. I know they've only got two road games between now and the the start of December. So this is a great chance to start putting that streak together. Uh, you don't play twenty games in a month, so there's no one month you can do that in. It's the kind of thing you got to do over five or six weeks. And I think I don't know which five or six week period it will happen, but it will happen. I I believe that maybe they need Gay to get back in there or to get in there since he hasn't been back with this team to see what they have. And, and obviously, and Quinn Snyder has ideas of what he wants to do with Rudy Gay and when he's ready to go. And, and then you've got to give uh, him a little opportunity to get his feet wet with the team and all that stuff. Uh, so maybe it's not till January after the first of the year. Uh, but I believe it's going to come uh, because I believe, I believe talent is the most – important ingredient to success Uh, coaching is important and every other stuff all the other things that they do and provide are extremely important but you can have all the bells and whistles and if you don't have the talent you know you're not going to get it done Uh, so as i look at the talent i see the talent is there and that's why i expect a very nice stretch i mean they started out okay and then they had a little mini rough patch i mean you can't really say so far that it's a big time a two-game losing streak is not a uh, cause for panic. You know, It's not Will Farrell screaming, everybody panic, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but I think that talent is what is the difference maker, and they've got the talent. They've got the talent to put together a streak. Now, that could change if guys go down uh, with injury and whatnot, obviously. But I think right now they've got the talent, so I'm expecting a streak. And, and maybe, you know, maybe that was the first one, and maybe these – abundance of home games but i don't think they need an abundance of home games to put together a streak that's how much i believe in the talent they're gonna go out on the road and get her done i see no reason why not especially in a 20 game stretch and i just picked that because that's a nice round number yep you know I'm, I'm giving them some losses that will be built in for sure yeah i mean shooting to a degree is fickle not completely but to a degree, it's fickle, and they've been hitting. The fickle has been, it's like a little bit of a, of a flu or a bug that went through the team. And then you got two, three guys not hitting. Well, then it becomes a problem. If you only got one, it's no big deal. You know, in Clarkson, you talked about, you know, efficiency. Efficiency isn't Clarkson's game. <laughs> Volume, it, baby. It is. It just isn't. So we accept that. You know, go to the hoop. Do your curly kneel dribble 20 seconds because it seems like the more you dribble and he's my he might be the only guy you could say this it's about the more you dribble the more you have an opportunity to find some crease and contort your body fake this way fake that way you know like the he him he's a smaller guy nba wise but when he gets down low it seems like he has the footwork of some legendary big men who can pivot uh 
and turn, turn back again, go up under, blah, blah, blah. You know, we all know the McHales and the Olajuwans with the tremendous footwork that they've had over the, that they displayed for many, many years to get their shots off. And Clarkson seems like he has that ability. So in a sense, I would encourage him to do that because usually the closer he's getting, he's getting off a pretty good shot, but he's going to still take those threes. But you know, you, you've pretty much signed up for that. So if he's out there taking bad shots, I don't know that it's his fault because that's what he's supposed to do. He did have one of those uh, shots where he just finds space where it doesn't seem like there's any right, exactly. last night. Yeah. And they were shooting in front of their own bench, and he was on the far side of the floor from TV, so right in front of the bench. And he cuts through the lane. He comes over to the other side, so it's his you know left-hand side. And he's almost behind the backboard, and for whatever reason, the defender slows down, and he just throws that thing up off the backboard straight in the air and in. You know, like, most guys could not have possibly done that. And usually when you say that, it's because either a guy is 30 feet from the hoop or a guy is three feet over the rim. And he was playing below the rim in this found space that most people aren't going to find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really incredible when he does that. So the question now is, how much of this is Philly? How sustainable is it? And certainly a lot of it was Philly, but I do think, and I don't usually think this, usually once you get like over 15, you know, in college football it's the same thing. I don't care if you beat somebody by 20 or 40 in college football. If you're up by three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, the game's over. But I think there is something to be said for finishing off an overmatched opponent early and never letting them back in the game so you can play the guys who are buried deep on the bench and let Mike Conley and his hamstrings have more time off, and guys like Gobert, who's been a ton of energy, you know, seven-foot dude running up and down the floor, Quinn yelling, yelling at him to sprint both ways, stretch the defense and all that, to give those guys a break. So to take over in the second quarter, you got to give them some points for that. They blew it open in the second quarter, blew it open by even more, and never let them back in. So it's a, yeah. it's a weird bar. It's a low bar because Philly was – was just completely decimated. They're well, I think really the level of easiness is what you attribute to the opponent and the lack of manpower that they have. I'm fine with that. Uh, but you still have to have the ability to blow away this team. And they had it. So that's what's most important. And there's so many games. You're just looking for rhythm. You know, find rhythm. Joe, I think, was one of five. So he's been in a little bit of a shooting slump. I don't necessarily have a great deal of worry about it, but, you know, because he still had, what do you have, seven assists? So yep. they're doing what he's asking him to do, or what they're asking him to do. And so, you know, he's still finding ways because obviously, particularly with him, there's other ways for him to contribute uh, because, that, you know, Bogdanovich, probably not as much because he's not a facilitator and he's not a rebounder, he's a scorer. And so for him to be effective and be worthy of what they're paying him, he's got to score, uh, or at least space, because that's what he brings to the team. Joe brings more. His game is a little bit more diversified. Probably doesn't have the high-end ability to score like Bogdanovich, nor is he going to take as many FGAs. So know your role, and these guys know what they're doing here, and continue to do what they do. So I look at it, sure, the, the relative ease in which there was no tension virtually at all. I mean, they got a lead, and then Philly came back a little bit, but that's the NBA. You can almost set your watch by it. That's going to happen, you know, 85% of the time. And that happened, 
and then they took control again, and then there was nothing Philadelphia could do, and they knew it. You weren't, you didn't see Doc Rivers standing up, storming the sidelines, you know, uh, working the referees, because he knew. All right, well, there's really no point in doing this. I can do all that, but in terms of the outcome, what difference is it going to make? Nothing. It's going to make zero difference. So they knew, but the Jazz being in a rhythm, you know, playing what we identify as jazz ball, and all of us fans, media, who sit there and watch all of these games, we know what jazz ball is. We know when they're clicking. And you could see it uh, in that way. And that, and that that was, to me, that was what I took from that. That was jazz ball the way they're supposed to do. Yeah, if they had a better opponent, it wouldn't have been as easy. Joe did struggle shooting it. It's a little six-game stretch, which really coincides with the Jazz struggling. They're two and four in their last six. He shot twenty-five percent in those six games, uh, five of twenty-five from three. Uh, he shot twenty-five percent from three. Not he hasn't shot twenty-five percent. Twenty-five percent from three. He's five of twenty-five from three. Before that, he was over fifty percent from three. Uh, yeah. So he had to cool off, or he had to set a career high and possibly challenge the NBA record for three-point percentage. So he's down to 39-4 for the whole season now. So expect a hot streak is coming for him because uh, I would say expect him to shoot in the 40s. Yeah, maybe a little more consistency. You know, because really, if you're one for five, to get to 40%, all you got to do is make one more. That's why I go with a bigger game sample because yeah. you're right about that. One shot rattling in or rattling out, you can't go crazy over that. You'll drive yourself insane. You need a bigger sample size. Right, and they literally did not need him to score. If he didn't make that three-pointer, it would have been no different. But what they do need him to do is to set up other guys. And I like what he's doing, particularly when he's in there with Whiteside. You know, get Whiteside going a little bit. Uh, Get him at the the basket. And whether it's... uh, you know he could put back his own shot so you won't be... uh, You won't tally an assist. But... Uh, still the same thing. You get the two points out of the possession. You know, set him up. He goes up, misses the shot, but then he gets a rebound and puts it back in. To me, that's the same thing. That you ought to tell Locke that should be some new stat category. It should be. That'll keep <laughs> David busy for the next week. <laughs> Excuse me. That's what I thought. Yeah, you're right. And having you know the screen assist became the big thing. How about the assist? Off the missed rebound. Uh, it's um, yeah, and you also have to think uh, if you make a great pass to a guy and then they foul him because he's going to get a dunk and maybe he'll miss a free throw. Right? You need an assist for that. PK Soccer's ahead of basketball in this regard. They've got a stat for opportunities created. And if you get a guy a point blank shot and he misses it, if you get a guy to the free throw line, you have created an opportunity. So you need a broader category than assists. Well, actually, I don't think I don't think you need any of that stuff because I think the guys who are paid to know know. And have you been watching Moneyball? (laughs) Well, that's a long time ago, but yeah, Uh, I just saw it. It was on. I was channel surfing Monday night Uh, during the Monday night football game. It was getting out of hand, and I channel surfed and I hit Moneyball and I hit that uh, scene. Oh, I don't remember the scene. Oh, the, the scout's about to get himself fired, and he's telling Brad Pitt, Billy Bean, how it is. Yeah, I think the They don't know who, what we know. Right, and I, <laughs> I think they do know, and they do know those types of things. So they don't it, – it's the same thing with uh, college football recruiting. Those guys know, 
and they they have no idea what Joe Blow's star rating is, but they know what they see, and they know that come here, and we it's like they're looking at a, 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 a the future, yep. and they have the ability to do that. Clearly, the guys at Utah have that, and we're seeing it more and more at BYU. Ed Lamb certainly did it at SUU, and they can see that. And it's it, it is it's not a it's not a totally definable talent, but yet it manifests itself three, four, five years later, in which we then can see it. Now we're not out recruiting, so we don't see the whoever it might be from Texas, and we identify this kid. Oh, we got to get this kid because uh, where is he going to be? in three four years they see that and they have and it's a it's a really it's a it's a skill it really i believe it is a skill and it, and it really comes through just like anything really uh repetition hours and hours and hours of research and film work and blah 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 and seeing all these things and so with that in mind they're able to do that and i think over here they know even if there's no specific stat that shows uh you got an assist or you got you your team got points because Joe got fouled and he made a great pass and makes a free throw. I think those dudes know, which is what they saw originally in Joe to use him as the example, right? Because they had some familiarity with his game. And I, I can remember earlier, but when he was barely playing, we were talking about, uh, boy, I bet you guys really love to play with Joe Ingles because he's going to get you the ball to allow you to be successful. Who wouldn't like, like that? I remember specifically talking about that in his first year when he wasn't getting a lot of playing time and the team stunk. Everybody likes the guy who gives them the ball and gets them an easy shot. He's yeah, a popular yeah, guy on a team, you. high school, yeah. college pro. That guy gets me easy Junior shots. Jazz. <laughs> junior Jazz. There's no passing in Junior Jazz. <laughs> First player across midcourt launches. Certainly not from the coach's son. That's why you're coaching. Exactly. All right, DJ and PK, the Jazz weren't the only team to win big. BYU just crushing Oregon. Question of the day, part two. How about the Cougars hammering number 12 in Oregon? What uh, Number 12 Oregon in Portland. What more can you say than just wow? I mean, can you take anything away from that? Or Oregon's overrated? We'll get to that next. Stay with us.